3: This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on v the sports betting network.
4: Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm, and he's Amal Shaw. We're going to have Max Starks, friend of our other program. (laughs) The the Nazi made several appearances. He's going to join us in a a timely appearance today. We can talk about his Florida Gators and whether they fare a chance in Gainesville against St. Nick. Also, the Steelers now. Big win in Buffalo. Raiders a big win last night in Las Vegas, and they face off in week two as well.
3: Yeah, it should be an exciting week. Great game last night. In my opinion, what will turn out to be the game of the year in week one. I know you disagree with me, but I can't believe that was a phenomenal football game. I have
4: to go back. and I missed parts of it. I was doing other things. I had was bets on baseball. I was trying to listen to the Manning brothers, actually. But the game was so far behind on ESPN, too. Hard to bet live when you're a whole two plays behind.
3: A friend of mine was telling me they had Russell Wilson on in the fourth quarter there. He said it was the best breakdown of a football game he had ever heard in his well, life. Peyton's incredible. Dude. Well, We already to know that. Begin I mean,
4: with, uh, yeah. He's going to be, if he does games, he's going to be like Roma, where he's calling what the next plays, two plays are going to be, right? I, I, listen, I'll
3: say one thing. I'm not taking anything away from Roma. I think there's a lot of guys like Breeze and Manning that can do that. Part of it is, though, that you retire and you're immediately in the booth. Give me a guy that's been out of the league five or ten years like Troy Aikman, and then let me know how it works out in terms of calling the plays because you're so familiar with the systems and other things that are going on at that time.
4: All right, big props to you. You you carry through Survivor, and you do it using Carolina. Yep. You didn't have to use the Rams or the 49ers or some of the big favorites. Also, 5-0 and oh on one. How many entries do you have? In? just one. And you went 5-0. and oh. Yeah. So
3: we'll, we'll see, though. It's still I a mean, long, long way to go. It's Exciting. 14. Listen, there's four more There's three there's more three.
4: weeks. Yeah, there's four more weeks, right? I mean, it goes 5-4, 4 in the first quarter. It's like like getting an A
3: in a class where you only got 25% of the way. You're only 25% of the way home. You
4: were on the Raiders all all the way with the four points here. Tell me how you thought the game played out.
3: Look, I thought it was a great football game. I thought uh, Baltimore without their key cogs of Dobbins, Gus Edwards. uh, We know Justice Hill also going down, and then Marcus Peters. Think about their corners. Marlon Humphrey and, and then Marcus Peters on the other side. These guys can really shut down a lot of offenses. Oh, they did struggle with Darren Waller, who was tremendous. Uh, by the way, Henry Ruggs gets over his total on yes, two catches. And, and,
4: yes, they didn't target him a lot, but no. I mean the balls he dropped too, I mean it was really, he should have went way over. He still did go over it, so that's the prop we did identify we liked the most.
3: Yeah, that was one, and then you look at this team Waller, obviously 10 catches a buck five, but I, I, was just, I thought it was a great football game. I, I thought it was a game where it went back and forth. I know the Ravens were playing with the lead uh, throughout the entirety of the game, but it was just a lot of fun to watch, and Really, by the way, how about the clutch kicking by both guys? You expect it out of Justin Tucker. Uh, But then on the flip side, the Raiders, they come down, and uh, the Auburn kid, who was a Carlson, uh, he comes down and bangs a 50, what, 53, 55-yarder? I mean, just an unbelievable job. From
4: the fourth quarter on, I agree with you. It was just a terrific football game. Um, To go to overtime, and then all the drama of the uh, shaking hands at midfield, weighed his knees down, stuffed at the one, and then the interception, and the fumble, and the field goal. As far as action and as far as ebbs and tides emotionally as a fan and as a better, hard to top that. I,
3: I can't imagine if the Raiders failed to score because Alex Leatherwood's false start at the about the 6-inch line cost them a win, and then all of a sudden the Ravens went down and scored. I mean, you remember the Ravens only had to get to about the 30, 35-yard line. You're taking your shot with Justin Tucker every day of
4: your life. They would get it to the 40. They're going for it. I yeah, mean, you know, exactly. Even, even at the end of the game when they kicked the field goal to go up, I mean... They just concede that he's going to make these 48, 50-yard field goals like it's nothing. And he does. He splits the uprights right down the middle every Look, time. The
3: thing with Tucker when he's kicking, it should almost be points off the board if it's not literally within a yard of the center of the goal post. He is that
4: good. It's like it's, those arena posts, right? Yeah, that they're exactly. So they're thin. He, he is unbelievable. Best kicker I've ever seen. Um, what did you think of Lamar Jackson's performance? I thought... I thought he was sharp early, and he showed the effects of COVID later in the game. I thought he wore down a bit. I tend
3: to agree with you. Uh, The pass he missed in the flat, he had Mark Andrews on that third down, and then he went to the uh, running back in the backfield, missed that one, would have easily had a first down. That's the one area that I think keeps him from being in that uh, rarefied air of Rodgers and Mahomes and these guys. Look, he's never going to be the passer those guys are, but he's a winning player. And the thing is, he puts his team in positions to be able to win games. But it's those little throws that he misses that Mahomes and Rodgers, we always see Brady consistently make. If he can converts that one, they all of a sudden are in a different position.
4: I thought the first half of the game, and we were texting during yeah. the first half, that Carr was like C.J. Stroud. He was the one stopping the Raiders' drives, like C.J. Stroud I'll was stopping what, the Ohio State drives.
3: Yesterday, you wanted to start it out with the Phillies. Now you want to go against my guy, C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's going to be a first-round pick, okay? Let me tell you something. In what position? Fair, fair rebuttal, <laughs> but yeah, that quarterback. But let me tell you something, buddy. Derek Carr looked like a guy that was playing that just came from the nacho stand that was wearing the jersey. He was awful. I was sitting there thinking, I wonder what Brent Musburger and Matt Heumann are thinking right now about the greatness of Derek Carr. And by the way, just cover Darren Waller. You don't have to cover anybody else because he doesn't even look at anybody else.
4: That's true. That's very true. Tough loss for the Ravens. Now they get Kansas City in week two. I had a friend who's a, who's a pro better. He texted me early in the fourth quarter he said Bet MGM still has week two game up between the Chiefs and the Raiders, the Chiefs and the and the Ravens, and it's three. If I like the Chiefs, should I take the three now? I said jump on it this instance because there's no way after this game it's going down.
3: Well, he's not a pro better if he asks you that question, because <laughs> he knows that line's never going to two and a half with the Kansas City Chiefs. The amount of money that would be inundated on Kansas City, there's certain spots in certain situations. You just know a number is not going to move down. It would take a catastrophic injury for Kansas City, which will not be occur until the middle of the week with practice and everything, for that number to move down to 2.5 or 2. You knew it would potentially go up, but it the lo- lowest it would get to is 3.
4: I want to talk about that game and some other lines. We played this Wilder, right? Let's take a look at some NFL lines for Week 2, uh, what they've opened. That game, Chiefs, 3.5. It's touched 4 in some spots. At Baltimore is that line right or wild
3: no I think that's line is correct at four I think that's what the original number should have been the one thing you saw in this game is that there's two problems for Baltimore when they went with a complete all-out blitz you left man coverage and Derek Carr did a phenomenal job of putting some air under the ball the one we saw with Henry Ruggs uh, where he went and caught the ball for about 30 yards uh, he did a great job of buying time and it seemed like their blitz was not getting home because he had enough time And then the other thing is, it seems like, to me, a guy like Mahomes with Kelsey. Think about this, how good Waller and Carr are together. Now you've got an upgrade, not to mention the guys on the outside that are better than anything that the Raiders have. You're going to have an offense, I think, that's going to really be able to take apart uh, this uh, Baltimore defense.
4: I'd look at this game, and I'd look at a first half with the Chiefs get it under three, because we've seen them when they play Baltimore. They get out to these leads, and they take their foot off the gas. A couple years ago in Kansas City, Baltimore, with the backdoor cover uh, in the fourth quarter, but I just kept thinking about as well. Mahomes aren't, isn't missing these passes that Carr is missing against this defense.
3: I would agree with you completely. The one thing I know you mentioned the first half, I am not an NFL first half guy. College yeah. is completely different because in college you give up seven points. You're like, Alabama can make up 21 points in about five minutes, no problem. In the NFL, though, like let's say, for example, you take the Chiefs for probably what, two and a half? Two and a half. a half, two and two and a two and half, half first half. A half. You obviously have to have a three-point lead at halftime, but the concern is with the Ravens having a kicker like Justin Tucker you are playing only 60 yards of the field because the Ravens, anything inside of 40 in the last minute, they're kicking it with Tucker. You feel like that's an automatic three points. So it, it's such a precarious situation. And too many times you see a team will be trailing potentially at halftime like the Chiefs were against the Browns, and they come out and win the game.
4: Now, there's a case where, now this is a prop bet you have on a lot of games. Will there be a score in the last two minutes of the first half? Yeah. I think Kansas City and Baltimore is another where you lay the $2 that there will Yeah, with, Butker, with, and, with Butker and... Yeah, right. And, and, and the Kansas City offense. If you yeah, exactly. The ball, right? All right, let's move on. This is a game that Paul and Mitch talked about this morning. Paul said he's going to take the Panthers, who are hosting the Saints, and four. This line is three and a half or four. Saints off that big win over Green Bay.
3: Yeah, I, I think this. Uh, the line you said is, what did you say the
4: official line is? Well, three and a half. There's four in some spots. Saints are road favorite at Carolina.
3: I think the number is correct. I thought the line should be, in my opinion, actually, I think the number should be three. I think three and a half to four is a bit of an overreaction to what we saw in week one. Look, Jameis threw for less than 150 yards, five touchdown passes was outstanding. Can they duplicate that effort? And also, is Carolina as good as what they appeared in week one? Their offense missed some opportunities. I thought their defense played well, but it was against the Jets. Mekhi Beckton, their best offensive lineman, out four to six weeks. So a lot of question marks there. I need to see it to believe it, but I would be more likely to take Carolina than I would be to lay the points on the road with New Orleans.
4: Jameis Winston, you mentioned five touchdown passes on Sunday. He was asked after the game what was his favorite moment, what was his proudest moment of the game. He talked about a pass he threw away that he didn't try to force in.
3: Really? That's a a great comment. You know what? The thing that gets overlooked with Jameis, you can sit there and say whatever you want about him, but this is a guy that won a national championship with a freshman at Florida State, won a Heisman Trophy, and was the first overall pick. I mean, it's not like the guy's void of talent.
4: Okay, the Bills suffer a tough home loss to the Steelers, a blocked punt, return for a touchdown. Josh Allen didn't play great. They go down to South Florida to take on the Dolphins, two against the big win in Foxborough uh, in Week 1. Bills, three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Right or wild?
3: No, I I think this is the right line. Uh, This is going to be a little bit of a pressing game for Buffalo. Need to bounce back. Any team that's coming off a loss you like in these spots, Green Bay, um, Cleveland Browns, and Buffalo in particular here going up against the Dolphins. Dolphins with a win. Really a game that I thought New England should have won, but both teams played well enough to win. This would be an interesting one here. See, to me, this is where it's tough with this number here, Mike, at three and a half. I I think Buffalo wins this game probably in that three to seven range. Not sure which side of the three it lands on, but I think it's gonna be a tight competitive game.
4: Let's talk about a game with a big point spread, and this is gonna be the Falcons going to the Buccaneers. The line is 13, some spots 12 and a half. I don't think this line gets to 14. Dismal performance by Andy Dalton. Uh, They only average four yards a play against the Eagles, and of course, the Buccaneers win the shootout the opening game against the Cowboys. Yeah, no, right or wild? No, give, give me the line again. 13. Home and, favorite Tampa Bay over Atlanta.
3: You know, uh, I... But no, it's correct. Because Dallas was a nine-point dog. Mm-hmm. Opened at seven and a half or so. I think this number is correct. So for me, I, th- I think this number is accurate. That makes a big difference in terms of how you see the lines. A uh, lot of concerns with Atlanta. I mean, to get worked by like that by the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember also... Tampa has 3 additional days off. I know that doesn't mean as much normally uh, right now cuz we're earlier in the season from a rest and recovery standpoint, but overall still bodes well for the Buccaneers.
4: Yeah, I'm really not interested in laying huge points. I, and, and you know, I'm going to try to not overreact to the horrible performances that we saw in week 1. I'm you know, every time you do this, you're going to get some value in the numbers if you come back with teams that were bad. Like Atlanta like the Titans like Green Bay. I think there's value in Week 2 playing against a poor performance in Week 1 cuz the teams are really not that bad.
3: Why didn't you tell me that before the Stanford ufc game?
4: Well, who could have imagined? Oh, and by the way, you were right.
3: I my t- my
4: sources are very good. After Week 2? <laughs> I got a, I got a call early early in the morning on Monday. I said, "Listen, Clay Helton's out." All right, we'll continue with NFL lines Wilder right and talk some college football when we come back. Love
1: you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It
4: wasn't even supposed to my That's my, my game, bro.
3: <laughs> This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on vSEN, the sports betting network
4: football season and here is here at Visa has kicked off our new schedule we have new talent and shows to help you make the most of your fall betting action the Visa lineup has expanded to 21 hours of live programming every weekday as well as additional shows on the weekend we want to give you the latest odds to stay on top of the end game betting opportunities for every key game across the country we have added new personalities to our existing world-class team including former professional athletes sports media veterans and of course strategic sports bettors Visit VEASAN.com to see our new lineup and talent and make this your best football betting season ever. This is Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amol Shaw. Caught Stormy yesterday, her first My Guys in the Desert. Her first guest, Derek Stevens.
3: Good way to start it off. It was off. a
4: great way to start it off. He he recapped the contest and the action on uh, on Sunday. We got some uh, fortunate fortunate cover. The Lions coming back through and, and getting the back door with the 16 points in the final two minutes was like, $300,000 swing for us. Wow. But you know what the biggest decision of the day was for us? The Bengals.
3: Oh, yeah. I remember you You texted the me Bengals. that. Yeah.
4: yeah. That, yeah. The, bin, the Bengals was the biggest decision of the day. Okay. I, I want to continue on with Wilder, right? There's a few more games that uh, that I have circled here. Here's a game that I shouldn't, I shouldn't, uh, I have a strong feeling whether this is Wilder, right? I shouldn't tip you, though. The 1-0 Cincinnati Bengals traveled to Chicago to take on the 0-1 Bears. The Bears, a field goal favorite at home.
3: I think that's correct.
4: What do you think it should be? I'll take the field goal in this game. Two oh, and a half fine. at DraftKings. I'll take the field goal because I think this Bears defense is bad.
3: I don't, I don't disagree with you, but it's not like Cincinnati. I don't know if you think Ken Anderson and Anthony Munoz are on this team, but they're not that good either.
4: No, not Ken Anderson. Twenty-one passes in a, twenty-one passes in a row. No, but I think the Cincinnati defense is good enough that I don't think Dalton's going to get to 24 in this game. I don't know how much more fields we're going to see. I mean, they, they used him in some running situations, not really giving him any passing opportunities at SoFi. I think on on a I I believe that on a neutral site, Cincinnati's probably a one-and-a-half or two in my mind, so this game should be less than a field goal. I'm not inclined to take two-and-a-half. I need three here in this spot.
3: Well, oh, I don't disagree to you there. Two-and-a-half's a bad number to take if you're going to take the Bengals. If you're going to do it, probably go with the money line there. But for me, Mike um, – I understand your point about why you don't believe the Bears should be the favorite here. I still think Cincinnati. What do you want to make? I mean, you said, what did you say you thought the line should be?
4: No, I said on a neutral field, I make Cincinnati a one and a half or two point favorite. Oh, that's fine. So you give three points for home field? So yeah. what? Uh, so it should be two, maybe. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. But I, but I'll take a field goal. I think a yeah, field goal is a good different play. Different story. You the, know when three. we say right or wild in, in, yeah. in the NFL, it's like a Yeah, yeah, Exactly wild. It's not college football. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Cowboys uh, play the Chargers. Chargers are a field goal favorite at home here. Amal, is this wild or right?
3: Uh, well, since since kind of we s- set the stipulation for how we're doing it, I yeah. think this is wild. I think the line should be four. I think the ch- when you look at Justin Herbert. Mm. And what he's going to be able to do against the team. Look at the ball control they managed against that Washington defense. They were
4: 73% on third down of all that game.
3: Oh, that's an all <laughs> timer, right? Yeah. I mean, that's an all timer. Time of he's possession, so I think accurate. it was like 36, 24. So that's exactly what it is.
4: <laughs> By
3: the way, spoken like a f- proud father. father. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I thought it was like Matthew, your son, doing something the way you were reacting on that one. But um, listen. To me, he's so good. The wide outs that they have, defensively, they're more talented than Dallas. I, I I think this line should be four. I like the Chargers at minus three. Well, here's an angle I want you to think about, though.
4: Will there be more Charger or Cowboy fans at this game in L.A.? Oh, that's an easy answer. Dallas
3: Cowboys. Yeah. Remember, they practice in uh, Oxnard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, also, remember, Cowboys have a huge following, and the Charger fans are not necessarily making that truck up. They don't leave San Diego County.
4: Sort of a neutral side game, other than the fact the Cowboys have to travel. Again, yeah. They go to Tampa, and then they go fly to another coast. Yeah, but at least they have some time off, right? So the extra three days there. Total on this game, 55 and a half. Is that wild or right?
3: No, that's correct in today's NFL. I I think you have to look towards the over here. I mean, both teams can be able to score. Look, the Chargers can be able to put up points. Mike, think about
4: this. Drive start at the 25. You need 45 yards. I mean, 40 yards in your field goal range. Titans uh, travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Seahawks favored by five and a half. Titans with a brutal performance at home against Carolina or against uh, the Cardinals in Week One.
3: Well, if they don't, Bob, uh, excuse me, block uh, Bobby Wagner, they're going to be in trouble. We saw Chandler Jones with five sacks the other day. He was tremendous. Kyler Murray picking them apart. If Russell Wilson even gets half the time that he had against Indianapolis, he's going to crush this team. Um, the line sitting at five. Boy, it, it's I. I I thought the line should be six, maybe even close to seven. This Tennessee team, Mike, you, you talked about two things all year, and we have talked about the lack of defense and Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. He's not there. Ryan Tannehill
4: looks like that contract's going to be not for long. If this was Miami Tannehill, if we knew he's going to play like he played in Miami, I agree with you, it should be a touchdown here. I know,
3: look, they'll come back, they'll play stronger, they'll play better, but they, they had no fight in them. I mean, they, they looked like they
4: were lifeless. You took uh, them second half?
3: And yeah, thanks game. for the reminder. Well, I'm just saying, you took him second <laughs> half. They really
4: never gave you a run for your well, money. you know, you're <laughs> down 18 at home. I
3: figure you're going to yeah. be able to make a run, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still waiting on that run. All right, yesterday, you told us Clay Helton was NFL. Not yeah. that he was getting promoted there professionally, but not for long at USC, and you were right. Well, look, I, I was just surprised
3: that he uh, hung around as long as he did. When you look at the Trojans, he won the uh, league title his first year. Um, you know, they they won a Rose Bowl. They beat Penn State, but ever since then, it's been downhill. The big question is now who the Trojan's going to bring in. I want to go through some
4: some possible candidates, but first I want to start with this. Could Urban Meyer have been a little more patient he could have landed this USC job?
3: It's a very strong possibility. It looked like he was going to be the guy who was going to take the job, but I don't know how much money Shad Khan has thrown at him to take this job at uh, Jacksonville, but it's going to be a serious rebuild. The other thing is, you know, I saw on uh, Twitter, Paul, uh, excuse me, uh, Mitch Moss had that, uh, you know, there's rumors that Urban's leaving already. Listen, Jimmy Johnson didn't win the first Super Bowl. I mean, didn't win the Super Bowl in Dallas in his first year. Give it a little bit of time.
4: I still think when you talk about Jimmy Johnson and what he did there, and of course the great trade robbery with Minnesota yeah. and cutting all those players, getting all the draft picks, that progression of going from 1-15 and 15 to 7-9 and 9 mm, yeah. to 11-5 and 5 to 12 was almost a textbook of how you build a team. And I think if Jimmy stays and Jerry's ego doesn't get in the way, they win four or more titles. You, were you in Dallas at the time yet? I was not, no. but I'll tell you
3: what I agree with you because the biggest mistake was in, in the year that the 49ers won the Super Bowl Super Bowl 29 when they were going for a third in a row. They threw the ball and it was intercepted late in the first half. And and Jimmy should have said, he goes, I would have taken a knee here, get to the locker room, and change the I think
4: game. I got picked off three times in the first half of that yeah. game at Candlestick, and they got way behind they mounted a rally. They yeah. had a fourth down play that they thought there was pass interference against Michael Irvin, really. they went, yeah. We got back within a score. But what a great run. Let's go through this list of candidates, because I think this is an interesting debate. Who you would take? James Franklin, your boy Matt Campbell, <laughs> Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle, the boat rower P.J. Fleck, Mario Cristobal, Greg Schiano, Tony Elliott, Chris Peterson, Bob Stoops. Give me your top three.
3: Uh, Bob Stoops? Uh, I'm going to go with, oh, boy, uh, probably Mario Cristobal, even, even though he hasn't he gonna won going to leave anything. Oregon?
4: That's I, don't, a I don't know. Situation. It's I a think great situation a, up there. Those schools and Phil Knight, the money, I mean,
3: that's a great situation. I, I just personally like Mario Cristobal, yeah. even though I criticized him when he was at FIU. Mm-hmm. I, I just like his disposition, his personality. I think he's going to be able to recruit extremely well. I still think this is the premier job in college football. I know Alabama wants to think that. Texas wants to think they invented football. Ohio State thinks they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Michigan, with a half a national title in the last 70 years, think they they are also important in football. Notre Dame does. This is the greatest job in college
4: football. Tell me why it's better than Alabama or Ohio State, because I disagree with you on those. First
3: of all, Ohio State, the population shift. Look at the number of players coming out of the state. Ohio is not the same as it once was. Alabama has revitalized because of Nick Saban. Don't forget the Mike DeBose era. Don't forget the fact that they hired the drinker himself and the strip club man himself, Mike Price. Couldn't even make it there in time. That Dennis was the short era. That De- was Dennis a, Franchione. Okay, the, you, you had a lot of guys that couldn't coach there. After Gene Stallings left. Gene Stallings
4: left, did well. He Gene Stallings
3: won a national title. He had a great yep. team, great defense. But after he left, it got bare for a long time. Nick Saban is the reason why they've been great there. When you look at L.A. County, Orange County, San Bernardino County, that area, Mike, look at the five teams in America t- before Ohio State lost. Top five teams in America. There are four quarterbacks. Daniels, uh, Modern Day, uh, Bryce Modern Uh DJ Ugl- uh, I, I- Thank you. I was butchered the name there. Uh, I think he was at St. John B- uh, Bosco. Um, and then you've got... Uh, C.J. Shroud, Rancho Cucamonga. I mean, you've got all these kids from Southern California. All you got to do is recruit that area. You're going to win national titles. Listen, Pete Carroll, when he was winning, Liner, Reggie Bush, all these kids were so SoCal.
4: Okay, Stoops won, Cristobal two. Who's your number three?
3: Uh, I would say probably James Franklin. And and that's, that's about it. And even that, I, I'm not even looking anywhere. Look, Peterson, to me, doesn't have the personality for L.A. I agree with you there. I don't think he brings enough life. I don't think,
4: exactly. But I would take Luke Fickle.
3: God, Luke Fickle failed at Ohio State. He was 6-7 and seven in his lone year there. I get he could have improved I think, take,
4: I think there's a lot of noise in L.A., and you've got to be able to take control of the program there, though. Todd Helton, Clay Helton, not control the program. The inmates are running the asylum Yeah, there. there's no question. Okay, you know what I mean? There's I no think question. you need a guy like Fickle.
3: Oh, That's fair, but here's the problem. Luke Fickle has never lived outside of the state of Ohio in his entire life. Columbus Dales, DeSales High School played at Ohio State. Coached at Cincinnati. No, I don't want somebody like him. Greg Shiano is not good enough at this point yeah. in time. I
1: think
4: uh, Stoops takes the job if he gets offered it. He's, are you concerned he's 60, 61 years old? I think he's got, he's he's had enough time off. I think he wants to make one more run. I can tell you right now, Bob Stoops goes there with the
3: way he coaches defense. Mm-hmm. Remember, he took over for John Blake in his second year at Oklahoma. They went seven and five, I think his first year. Yep. They won the national title the next year. He will be able to have this team right back in contention.
4: You think they win a title? If, if Stoops gets a job, do they win a national title within five years? I don't know if they win, but they'll be in the playoffs. Well, he, he's not going to have 15 years there. So yeah, he's gotta, he, he's gonna, well, he's going to be in the playoffs. He's got to do something quick. Medium, right. medium game Bob will make a difference. Yeah, Yes, he will. Uh, when we come back, one of our favorite guests, Max Starks. I'm an Amal Shah on Sin the sports betting network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VEASAN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, the daily best bet email from Bill 80, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer Amal. Are you ready? $22 a month. Sign up now. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. Let's get right to our guest. A friend of the show when we were the nuts and still a friend of Odds On. Max Starkey, 2, Max times, Starkey, two times Super Bowl champion Super Bowl with the Pittsburgh Champions Steelers. The Pittsburgh Welcome Steelers. back in, Max.
6: Welcome back in. Hey, guys. How are you today?
4: We're doing great. We're better for having you on. I want to start in Gainesville, though, before we get to your big win or your Steelers over the Buffalo Bills. Your, your, your alma mater is catching 15.5 points at home against number one-ranked Alabama. If you were a betting man, do you take the points here? Will they keep this game close?
6: You know, I've I've learned long, long ago, Vegas's lights aren't on because there's winners. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when you see that fifteen and a half point spread, I think the biggest thing that I say is, I'm not. I, I I don't know if I can get baited into it. Even though I love my Gators, I'm not sure with the hamstring injury to Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, it leaves it in question. Now, if Anthony Richardson comes in that game healthy, I'm definitely taking the points. Um, so I'll wait to see how that Hammy is on that touchdown run they had against USF on Saturday, how he heals up. But I, I can't do it if he if he's not healthy. Um, just because Alabama comes in waves at you, like it's not just oh we can stop the run. They don't have a problem. No, they can do it in the air. They can do it on the ground, and they have one of the best defenses in college football. So it, it's tough for me to take the 15 and a half right now. Emory Jones looks solid. He looks okay. Those two picks in the third quarter kind of hurt my image of him a little bit um, going into this game because I know that that secondary is not as good as the secondary he's going to see on Saturday. And if you don't have that change-up guy um, at quarterback with Anthony Richardson, I think it makes it tough. I think right now, with a two-quarterback system, I find it hard to get that rhythm. And if Emory's leading the way the entire time, I I hate to say it, as a loyal, faithful, bleeding orange and blue Gator, um, I find it very tough to, uh, to back my Gators with those points.
4: Max, one of the debates my partner Amal and I have had is whether Dan Mullen's job at Florida is very secure. You're more in touch there than probably either of us. I just think that he's got to become relevant in the national title picture and the playoff picture for the for the Florida faithful. There, you know, it's not just good enough to win the SEC East every three or four years and get pummeled by Alabama in the title game.
6: No, I I I think that is when you think of Florida, you have to put Florida in that conversation with the elite schools. You know, a handful of the top ten, top fifteen schools year in and year out, and that's how Florida fans and alumni you themselves so in order for you to get into that picture you've got you've got to win the games that you're not supposed to win you know i I look at kirby smart right kirby smart when he took the job at georgia kirby has a longer leash because what he's been to the national title game they get in that conversation and kirby had his signature win this year against clemson dan has not had that signature win yet he's come close he's been in the games to have that signature win but they haven't capitalized on it so I would say that, you know, for Dan, it's it's not immediate hot seat, but, you know, they're, they're hitting the starter on that burner and trying to get it started up because I think it will get warm, um, especially depending on how the outcome of this Alabama game is and we see really how far apart we are a year removed um, of Cal Trask and Cal Pitts and company and all those guys that departed. You know, are we rebuilding or are we reloading? That's going to be the true question that I'm looking for on Saturday.
3: Love your answer there. We'll get into that debate at another time. Want to switch to the NFL here? Well, no, because I don't believe the uh, stove is even plugged in yet, but we'll get into that another time. Uh, Max, we were talking before you came on air. Which teams really impressed you? You mentioned the Raiders were among them. I thought there were some teams that really played well that didn't necessarily win a game. The Browns were one of them. I thought the Rams were terrific. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road to Buffalo. I know they weren't overwhelming in the first half, but give them credit for a quality road win.
6: Well, I I mean, listen, watching that Steelers game the first half, I was like, ooh, this is rough. 54 total yards of offense um, against the Bills in the first half for for the offense that was starting. Four rookies, by the way. Let's just note that. Four rookies on offense, another on defense, another special teams. You had six total rookies starting. The last time that happened, guys, 1974, did the Steelers have that many rookies starting. So that was a little shaky. But I'll tell you what, the defense for the Steelers looked lights out. They looked phenomenal. They kept Josh Allen under pressure, under duress the entire time. 30 total hits and pressures by that defense out of 55 attempted dropbacks was unheard of. TJ Watt looked every worth, <laughs> worth every penny that they spent on him. He was fantastic. Cam Hayward looks ageless. So I look at that and I say, as long as that defense travels and carries, and they can stay healthy, and you eventually add Stephon to it back into it, that's a tough team to beat out the gates, regardless of how good your offense is. And then I look, you know, at the offensive side of the ball, and I say, you know what? They're getting into rhythm. This is a new system. Ben's getting comfortable. First half was a little shaky, and the wind was horrendous up there in Buffalo. Um, I think for any quarterback, you saw it from both Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger, so it was it was a tough environment to throw in. But Ben's had the experience. He knew how to adjust for the windage, and in the second half, he came out throwing some strikes, and that changed the tide of that game. Um, looking also around the league, I think you're right. Uh, the L.A. Rams looked fantastic. with Matthew Stafford there at, uh, at the helmet quarterback. They were impressive. Uh, the Cardinals, the Cardinals went into Tennessee and Wop that offense. Derrick Henry was not to be seen. Um, I think there's an APB out in the state of Tennessee looking for him because he did not show up to that game uh, or the or the uh, Cardinals defense did that good of a job. I think Chandler Jones and company really did a lot to really disrupt a lot that uh, Tennessee was doing. That was an impressive victory. Houston, Tyrod Taylor and company, right? I mean, we weren't expecting that type of win. I know it was against Jacksonville starting against Trevor Lawrence and their offense, but I, I felt – that was a really good win for Houston considering all of just the friction negativity dumpster fires you know that was going on there they, they tamped out some of those you know Dave cully and company deserves a lot of credit for that victory you know Bill O'Brien firing all the mass exodus of players JJ Watts, a Cardinal um, released of his contract all that kind of subterfuge that can get into a room it didn't bother them and they went out and executed so those are just some of the teams that I really like this weekend
4: Talking to Max Starks, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion, offensive tackle with the Pittsburgh Steelers, played at the University of Florida. You can find him on Twitter, at Stark 78 Max, we got about a minute and a half left. I want to talk about the game in Kansas City between the Browns and the Chiefs, and I want you to evaluate both of the offensive lines. I thought the Browns looked impressive, but also how did you see the Chiefs revamped line?
6: Well, you know, I, I look at Cleveland, Cleveland's offensive line, is exactly what as advertised, right? We expected them to come out, be dominating, especially on the ground. Nick Chubb looked phenomenal. The holes he was running through seemed to be humongous at times, and they looked in control. It's just it came down to red zone execution really for Cleveland. Um, so I think their offensive line and their team will be fine um, as, as a progress of the season. Kansas City, I'm not 100% sold on that crew. But they have a lot of depth and they're going to have time to get together. But I thought it was impressive the way that they did will themselves in the second half. And once again, once you have Tyreek uh, Hill as an option and Travis Kelsey, you're never really behind unless it's Tom Brady and, and, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And they just stayed in the game, right? They made the plays that they needed to. The offensive line held up good enough. I don't know if it can hold up for the entire season um, unless, unless they get better as a unit. But it was good enough on Sunday and but they still have a lot of work to do. I think with that group and trying to figure out all these brand new personalities, you know, you're replacing five essentially five starters, um, and getting a new rotation. That's always tough and that's always the the enigma for any team when you're chanting. I mean, look at the Steelers, four brand new starters on offense as well. So that's something you're gonna have to monitor throughout the year and make sure, you know. Patrick Mahomes must be kept healthy, and you can't get—he can't allow him to get hit as many times as he did. You've got to slow that number down. So, yeah, I like Cleveland's offensive line. I know them; their unit has been together. They're going to be solid. But Casey, I'm still got a question out for him. Good victory, but still needs improvement.
4: Max, take us out with this. Are you laying the five and a half with the Steelers against the Raiders this week?
6: Uh, yes yes. I think that crew at home, yeah, most definitely. I like the Steelers in this game, no matter what type of heroics and magic that uh, Derek Carr and company can pull out. Hey, you know, I I love Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. I think they're phenomenal special players, but that defense is hungry and angry, and I don't see them having that same success like they did against the Ravens.
3: Max, we'll have you back on next time after that Gators big win over Alabama.
6: Okay. I hope so. I hope to be wrong, guys. <laughs> thanks, Max. Great
4: appearance as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Y'all take care. Thank you. Get a chance. I was going to ask him about Pene Sewell's debut in Detroit. He was pretty impressive He was outstanding. Well, huh? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When we come back, I'm all in in the Palm Reader Playbook.
3: This is odds on with
4: Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VN the sports betting Network.
3: Be Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting. BetRivers Rivers has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays in all pro football matchups. They're bringing back their reduced-the-juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have $1 million Beat the Spread Challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to bet. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, one 888 532 And Iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
4: Welcome back into Odd I'm Mike Palm. He's the i Mall Shaw. all you had a winner yesterday uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders. I hope you have another winner today. I really hope. Because I'm on the same
3: side. (laughs) (laughs) I've got the Giants here against the Padres. The Giants just set a record for the team since they moved to San Francisco. This is the eighth consecutive game last night where they've scored at least six runs. Boy, they got the U Darvish quickly. Why was that line a pick'em or 115, depending on where you got the number? They absolutely smoked Darvish. By the way, you know, Darvish is like that guy. You buy a fancy new car and you think, great, I, I got this great sports car, and then you realize it's probably not as good as what I paid for in terms of sticker price. That's what you Darvish is. Giants absolutely trounce him. This team continues to sizzle, but we continue to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, you got Longoria three-run homer, Brandon Craw, uh, excuse me, Brandon Belt with a two-run homer last night. This team's just outstanding.
4: Dodgers seven and three in their last ten at four straight, and they've lost two games to the Giants in the standings in this stand. <laughs> ten. I mean the amazing. Giants won eight in a row, nine and one in their last ten. Giants in uh, Toronto, the two hottest teams right now. Uh, I'm on the same play with you. If we go to the playbook here, I like. uh, I'm. This is not only is this a Giants play. This is an anti-Arietta play. I mean, if Jake Arietta beats the Giants today, okay, I I lose. You know, I'm I'm saying I don't understand this price. I have
3: to make that bet. Why is this price 157? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. on The regular 257. That's exactly. (laughs) you know, we got to get Metcalf on here. I want to understand why some of these lines, they don't adjust. And I'm to some of them, they're over all,
4: uh, I'm playing all um, run lines today in Major League Baseball. I'm going to take the Reds. My guy, Miley, against the Pirates here. Here's where the Reds got to go. They got to get some separation when they take on the Pirates. That's one of the reasons we liked them, because they had the Pirates so many more times in the schedule. Miley on the road at the Pirates is even money on the run line. Gibson against the Cubs. The Phillies still clinging in there uh, in the wild-card race as well run and a half, uh, plus 105. Mets, we were right last night. Uh, Wainwright beats beats Richie Hill. Uh, Mets didn't score at all last night. I like Stroman here in a bounce-back spot. Run line plus 120, and I'm on the same plus 120 with you, with the Giants and Di Sclafani. Incredible man. You goes down to the young boys. I thought they could take care of young boys uh, up in Sweden, but they get the red card early. Uh, the one nothing halftime lead dissipates. A horrible turnover. Allison had no shot. Uh, and the final kick of the game goes to the young boys. Huge victory for that Swedish Swedish side today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, they're, obviously, they're an round robin play right now, but you know, anytime you can get the three points helps immensely. Uh, some of these games you have here, Mike, with the Yankees, the Reds, yeah. the Phillies, and the Mets. I'm going to tell you, I looked at all four of these games, and one more was the Dodgers. Uh, Cole, obviously a big favorite. Uh, I think he's now like 3:30 or something, if I saw last, and two dollars on the run line. So, I didn't touch that game. The Miley one I like. The way this guy has pitched all year has been outstanding. It's hard to not back him in this particular spot. I love the acquisition of Gibson. I, when you look at, look, I think Philadelphia's getting overlooked. Gibson, Wheeler, and Nola, even though Nola hasn't had a great year, I think they're still dangerous if they get into the postseason.
4: I want to ask you one baseball question. I think we have the allotted time for that. I have two tickets on Bueller for Cy Young, one at plus three, $3 and one at plus 180 that's the only tickets I have in the National League. Scherzer is now the favorite in the National League. Should I hedge my bet with an even-money play on Max Scherzer right now? Because I don't think Burns is winning the Young.
3: Yeah, I would agree with you. Burns is out. I think it's a two-man race between Walker Buehler and Max Scherzer. And I think there's two things that bode well for Max. One is this is a guy that's done it for so long. It's just a familiar name for a lot of the voters, right? And the other thing is when you look at down the stretch, Max has gone now 28 or 29 innings without giving up a run. I mean, think about that, how dominant he's been. He's been, you know, halfway to what uh, uh, Hershiser had done. I think it was uh, Hershizer was a 59 and a third, I think it was. But I mean, he has been unbelievable. And at this point in time, the way Max has pitched, I get if you say Max Scherzer is going to be the number one guy in terms of the wild card. But still, overall, when you looked at the body of the work when those comments were made by Matt Vasgersian and Alex Rodriguez. It was Walker Buehler all day. Max Scherzer has just really started the deal down the stretch. Their, their starts are going to determine
4: the Cy Young, their last couple of starts. Here's the other thing that bodes well for Scherzer. He follows Bueller in the rotation. He gets to scout the opponent the day before, plus he knows what he has to match with Bueller. I think at, at this point in his career, he wants this Cy Young, having been traded by the Nationals to the Dodgers, and I think he's going to get it. I've got to hedge the bet here with the even money. The only way I lose is if Burns wins, and I don't think that's possible right now. I want to go back to some college football, I'm all. USC fires Clay Helton. Now they have to go up to the Palouse To play Washington State, they're a nine-point favorite. Usually a team gets a lift when they fire an unpopular coach. Clay Helton was certainly not unpopular with the players. How do you look at this game? Is nine points too much on the road?
3: Uh, I don't think so. It's going to be interesting to see how this team responds. And I think this game is going to be critical for how you look at USC the rest of the year. I think they're going to respond well. I think, look, one thing we can sit there and say whatever we want about coaches and and what have you, but make no mistake about it, generally speaking, now there's a few coaches that are not liked, but the majority of these players, they have a tremendous affinity and affection and love their coach. And so when they see someone like Clay Helton let go, it's going to bother them. Because remember, every one of these guys on this roster was recruited by him and his staff. So I think that'll have an impact. Also, if you're guys like Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator, now in essence, you're coaching for your job. You're auditioning for who the next head coach is. You've got a 10-game audition here to prove what you can do.
4: Do you think that USC is still viable to win the Pac-12 South against UCLA, Arizona State, Utah?
3: I do, but look, I think from a division standpoint, I think it's probably the Pac-12 South is probably the most competitive division in terms of who's going to represent from the South. UCLA, Arizona State, You're saying of
4: all the Power Five conferences, it's the most competitive division. Would you say the Big Ten West is second? I would say so, yes.
3: And also using quality, because the other side where Clemson's not in the ACC, I don't know which Coastal or whatever the hell they call it. Um, I think it's a competitive league because the teams are just kind of bunched together, Mm -hmm. but nobody's really particularly good. I think when you look at the Pac-12, I know SC got boat raced the other day, but I think these four teams that I mentioned could wind up as top 25, top 30 teams by the end of the year.
4: I'm not a Keaton Slovis guy. I mean, the Iowa played them, I think, in the, in, the, in the Holiday Bowl or whatever a few years ago and, and beat them by three touchdowns with Keaton Slovis, at quarterback for them. I thought the key play in the game was the pick six. I, I still thought USC was going to win that game until the pick six by Stanford.
3: When Keaton Slovis had a good year, uh two, year, was it two years ago? Two years ago. ago. Everyone's like, oh, he's the guy. I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm like, JT Daniels is better in my opinion. I still uh, am firm in that position. I thought that was the biggest mistake they made. It's kind of like Sam Ellinger and uh, Shane Bouchelle. They made a mistake at the quarterback there with Tom Herman. And I
4: think uh, Clay Helton made a mistake here at USC. UCLA hosts Fresno State at the Rose Bowl late on Saturday night. Um, Fresno came within a touchdown of Oregon and Eugene. The number here is 11.
3: Yeah, I think one of the things you have to take into consideration for Oregon is they didn't get the benefit against Fresno State of playing that Ohio State run defense. You know, Ohio State doesn't realize you can tackle outside the yard markers. And uh, so Oregon just ran it right down their throat. But look, Fresno State will be ready for this game, but the Bruins coming off of a bye. Terrific offense, the way the running game has been. DTR's got to play better. This is a game where he can get the passing game going a little bit. Make no mistake, though, Hayner and company will be able to throw the ball. Let's see if Ronnie Rivers can get the game going on the ground. They have not been overly successful running the football thus far. He's got to get it going. If he can do that, I think they've had a chance here. Mike, the total came back about three points higher than I was hoping. If it was 59, I was going to play the over here. Uh, I think UCLA will wind up in the high 30s, and Fresno will wind up in the 20s. So this game, for me, is going to be a look towards the over, but I'm not going to play it.
4: Fourth quarter with a two-score lead, UCLA was able to just run the ball right down LSU's throat against an SEC defense who knew the run was coming. I thought that was very impressive.
3: Well, especially when you consider LSU's got four senior starters on their front. I mean, that was incredibly impressive, the job they've done. And, you know, what generally separates the SEC from all other leagues is the line play, whether it's offensive or defensive line.
4: Utah, very disappointing performance in Provo, getting beat by BYU. The good thing is not a conference game. Exactly. All right, now they travel south to play San Diego State. They are an eight-point road favorite.
3: I think the Utes bounce back. Now, I don't generally like laying points against this, but this is not Rocky Long. This is Brady Hoke, so I like my chances here. Uh, I don't think Fred Flintstone's team is going to be that competitive in this matchup. They, they can't throw the football. They, they've got a major problem in terms of the passing game. The other thing you got to take into consideration with that BYU game, they had lost nine in a row. Big rivalry game. I think it's a little different scenario here. I think the Utes, despite being on the road laying this number, I like Utah.
4: Arkansas State goes to Olympia to play, Olympic Stadium to play the University of Washington. Very disappointing first two weeks. Um, for the dogs, they're a 16-and-a-half point favorite at home. Are they going to get to 17? Uh, that's a big
3: question, Mark. What's the total on this game is the better question. Yeah, 57-and-a-half of all. Ooh, that's a high number. 17 now. You can get 17 with Arkansas State. You know what? These are the kinds of games that where people come in and take Arkansas State. Play the dog in the under. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you see Washington up 41-7 to 7 when you look up in the third quarter. Uh, I'm not going to play this game here, but the Huskies, uh, I, Mike, if they don't win this game comfortably, you talk about the doors closing in on Jimmy Lake quickly.
4: I want to quickly take a look at the odds to win the NFC. Obviously, you have the bet on the Rams. These are updated at Circa. Your Rams are plus 625 um, to win the NFC. The Bucks, the favorite at plus 260. 49ers the third choice, or the co-second choice at plus 625. Seahawks are plus 750. Three of the top four teams in the West. Division that good? I think so, but also if you like the Rams, better take them quickly because they play the Buccaneers in two weeks. At home. Stay tuned to Vison up next Betting Across America.
0: Hey Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool.